we came here with nothing and we made something out of ourselves. So people have to believe that things are going to get better, but they have to work at it. Nothing is going to just come from the sky. You have to work at it. You have to grind. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. My interview today is with Gene Lazarevich. Gene has been running his business, ACNC, for more than two decades, building storage systems for computer networks that are secure, private clouds for all sorts of enormous clients, including NASA, the U.S. Departments of State and Energy, the United Kingdom Police Force, and many, many more organizations. In this conversation, we talk about how he went from being a refugee coming to America with barely $100 in his pocket to running a business now that does over $10 million in annual revenue. Gene is also very candid about how he's thought about building his brand, about getting referrals for more business and competing on price. I think that you're going to really enjoy it. You're going to enjoy his energy, his passion, and his ambition. Here is Gene Lazarevich. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Gene, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I want to start off with uh, explaining your company and uh, maybe contextualizing this, why so many different clients of yours, so many different firms, organizations, uh, agencies need to have local storage for their data from a security standpoint um, and how you go about providing that solution for clients. Right. So um, we've been uh, around, uh, you know, over 25 years and uh, we've been doing uh, data storage pretty much all the time. And um, yes, um, most of our customers are using either on-prem or MSPs to store their data. And then they're using, um, you know, one of these actually units that I have here. These are all flash units. And then for home, you know, we actually introduce these little units that they can use for home. These are like network touch storage units. And uh, it gives them, you know, ability to access uh, the product at the edge, the data at the edge. So where there's like very low latency in a data center, so where they can actually be you know, able to um, access their data uh, right at closer proximity to, to their data, you know, to, to their uh, physical location. And that's, you know, that's really uh, the, one of the advantages of having it closer to your office uh, place of business. And so this is one of those type of businesses that, you know, has not only persisted for 25 years, but continued to grow over these 25 years. And it's almost counter to the popular narrative that like someone like me who isn't in the data storage space, like I'm not thinking about that. I'm not studying that on a regular basis. You read a headline or two and you read the headline that everything's going to the cloud. It's all going to be in the cloud right. eventually. It's going to be Google or Amazon or something like that. Right. And the reality is, is that that may be right for a lot of folks, but it's not right for everyone. And that kind of delineation is really important. Right. So basically, um, you know, there's a public cloud and there's also a private cloud. And we have a lot of customers who are doing private cloud. So like MSPs and some more customers are doing private cloud where you have the, your, your own data. So you're actually managing your own data in your own data center or in a call location. So it makes a big difference, you know, versus having it uh, at AWS or Azure or Google, where it's a public cloud and you have no idea like what security you're going to have, 
you know, what, uh, you know, other issues your neighbors are going to be. So you may have issues with, you know, somebody taxing the uh, equipment that's, you know, you may have issues with latency and issues with performance. Um, so that's why a lot of customers are doing what's called private cloud and hybrid cloud. So we're not uh, pretty much, you know, against the private cloud. Obviously, you know, it's here to stay. It's you a know, big business. It's a big business, right? So, but um, at the same time, you know, somebody said that, oh, everybody's going to go in the cl uh, public cloud. Everything's going to be in the cloud. It was 10 years ago. You know, here we are 10 years later. People are still not, not everybody's on the public cloud. So, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of data centers, as you see, they're, they're popping up, you know, every week, almost like, and uh, everybody's using private cloud. So it's a... It's a really um, depending on, you know, how, um, you know, you want to manage it. And it's also like CapEx versus OpEx. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, either, you know, your expenditure, if you paying it outright or if you're paying it per month. And that's also what we offer. We actually offer it what's called hardware as a service. Um, so like platform as a service where cust our customers actually paying us every month. Instead of buying it outright, they can just pay us every month. So we have like a 12-month plan, 24-month plan, 36-month plan. And after that, they pay it off. So, you know, everybody is able to adjust, but this gives you more control of where you have it, you know, how far it is from your office, you know, what performance you're going to have. And um, yes, with public cloud, you can deploy it fast because you don't need to buy anything. It's there. Yeah. But you never know what's going to happen with the, the pricing, you know, with their power, with their security, because you have no control over it. It's like uh, riding Uber. You know, if, uh, how many people do you know that ride Uber every day? instead of having their own car. So a lot of people, you know, just basically, uh, you know, have their own cars. It's the same with equipment, you know, so a lot of people still have it. Like I have these kind of unit, like the, the four bay, mm -hmm. I have it at home. So I keep all my personal uh, pictures, videos, all my personal data, you know, it's my private cloud. And it's, it's, that's, you know, that's perfect. It's, uh, it's really works out well for, for us uh, and for many of our customers. And so, from like a from a services standpoint, the reason those businesses, frankly, love selling something like those cloud services is its ongoing services type of payments. They they right. they know that Recurring once revenues. Yeah, yeah. once the business is built there, unless they're going to do some massive changeover to some other solution, that's a kind of recurring stream. And as those businesses grow, their kind of marginal dollars actually grow along with those businesses. Whereas part of the appeal to something localized, like like what you're selling, is there there might be a payment plan, but once this physical device is paid off. Is it like like what is the upkeep or what is what are like the kind of add-ons that get built into selling the physical hardware? Right. So basically, um, these units we have customers running this for ten years. Wow. So we have customers, you know, like NASA and uh, Department of State, Navy, and many universities and many now cloud providers, MSPs. They're running this for five, ten years. So uh, basically, and also when they resell it to the customer as a private cloud thing. Uh, they also get, they probably get it paid off in about three, four months, three to six months. So after that, it's pure profit for them. So it's very uh, profitable for them to run. It's called private cloud. And that's really where the revenue is. And they get a recurring revenue. So let's say they buy this unit for like $10,000, $20,000. They end up making hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue in, in a, like in a five-year, you know, as a five-year plan. Because, you know, all this cloud you know, private cloud providers, they uh, basically sign in uh, customers like a five-year plan. So when you f sign a five-year plan, you're definitely going to get your money back within like six months. Gotcha. It's a pretty good model. Yeah. It's sort of like a battle between, 
everybody competes against public cloud. Yeah. And then uh, like a lot of our customers are basically private cloud uh, guys and then they're using this to compete with Amazon and Azure and Google. Yeah. That's really what it boils going to boil down to. And like the landscape right now is so there's these monster players, right? Like these are literally the biggest companies on earth. Amazon, Amazon Google, Google, and Microsoft. Microsoft. Those are three biggest uh, cloud provi- public cloud providers in the world. Throwing enormous dollars behind just normalizing, or like, like they're marketing themselves against one another, and then they're marketing public cloud as kind of the service there. And what's curious to me is this is night and day difference from when you started. So you mentioned, you know, the cloud has been this conversation for 10, maybe even a little more than 10 years. But even before that, you started this company in uh, basically selling like four gigabyte hard drives. And now we're talking about what, like how how, how many? So this this can fit uh, 20 terabytes. Now the the largest drive per drive is 20 terabytes. So in this little unit, it's a four bay unit, you can fit basically uh, almost 100 terabytes. Holy smokes. Which could be basically could last like an average person uh, forever. Uh, and then these ones, you know, we actually have uh, customers that are, these are expandable. So you can actually add more chassis to this unit. And we have a customer that has done it actually in Pittsburgh and they do video on demand. And um, they have uh, almost uh, two petabytes, I think, or one to two petabytes of data. I'm not even really sure what a petabyte is. I've heard thousand of thousand ter- terabytes. Holy moly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so, <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back in time then to that point when you started and you were selling those four gigabyte hard drives. Partially that is the just evolution of technology over multiple decades, uh, similar to Moore's law and the ability to store more and more on a a single chip. Uh, Memories, batteries, they also have followed this arc of efficiency, being able to be more compact and doing more and less. But what opportunity did you see back then that led to you starting your own company and bringing this solution to the market? Right, so it was 1990, we started in 94, and in 1998, uh, there's three professors, one of them from, well, they were from Berkeley, one actually he is here now at Carnegie Mellon. They wrote this white paper called RAID white paper, done in the RAID independent disks white paper, where they explain the technology, how the redundant array of dependencies will work. So they talked about parity, they talked about redundancy, they talked about not, you know, losing data basically so we have a array of drives and if one of them fails the data is still there the data is still safe that was the whole premise and then basically at that point you know we were interested in technology and then we started uh, selling and offering raid units that was back in 1994 when the raid was popular and that's where i had my domain raid.com which i ended up selling two years go uh, to uh, I see Johnson and Wax for $200,000. Yeah. The guys that do the the spray. Yeah, so that was the that's the uh you know insect repellent yes. type of spray. Yes. You bought it back when it was relevant it, to yeah. the the discs yeah. for significantly less than $200,000. I bought it for 6. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it was one of my best investments I've ever made. So so, so but even even that so like you know, the the average person isn't necessarily reading academic papers from right. college professors on what the future might hold for these technological solutions. So, so were you already like a technically minded kid? Is that what you're going to school for? Like, like, how did you know that like, okay, I'm going to go seize this opportunity. I'm not going to necessarily translate it into me being better at my job, but it's going to be me starting this company and, and right. realizing this. Right. So uh, I was interested in technology and um, I was kind of uh, maybe like a sort of a geek. And, uh, you know, this sounded very compelling. This sounded very interesting. 
and um, it it sounded very um, prog- you know very kind of new. Obviously, it was nobody did it uh, before that, um, and um, we figured that this could be a huge opportunity for us to jump into that business, and we did. Uh, along you know along with everybody else, like all our competitors. And, and were your first clients local, or how did you like like at, at the starting point? Yeah. who was even aware of what Raid was, and how they find you? Uh, we started calling, so we decided to go into the business. I was actually at Pitt, and then I was uh, working also at UPMC, and then I was uh, you know we opened up the company, and then we started cold calling, and um, we uh, got um, uh, the the CEO of uh, uh, ISP, local ISP in in Pittsburgh. It's called it was called Stargate Industry. It ended up being a big cloud company that's, you know, here now in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he got very intrigued and, you know, he kind of heard about the, the technology, but he never seen it. So what we ended up doing, we ended up buying a demo unit uh, for him and bringing it to him and literally showing it to him just like this. And then we plugged it in and, um, you know, we pulled the drives out and the data is still there. And he was like, wow. How much does it cost? And, uh, and it was like, it was at, at that time, it was like $25,000, but it was with four gigabyte, it was eight by four gigabyte drives. So it was like 32 gigabytes of usable data, which is now. It's like a bad on, iPhone now. Yeah, yeah, like it sits on less than, like I have a one terabyte on my phone. Yeah. So uh, basically, and he paid like $25,000. And I was like, wow, that's that's a lot of money. Yeah. But, you know, that's how it started. And then we started calling and calling and calling. We ended up, you know, basically ended up, um, yeah, got just realizing that uh, I'm gonna have to uh, uh, go into my own business and just uh, keep doing storage. And uh, you know, 25 years later, you know, we're still doing it. It's just uh, on a bigger scale. So you've clearly become an expert at storage, data, all like all these technologies that are probably straight over my head. The <laughs> other side of this is the businessman, though. So like, you know, you're, you're talking about cold calling. You're right. talking about. Um, this, you know, fluency in these types of digital products and memory, but there's also the business of like, how do you set a price for something like, like, like how did, how, how did it end up at 25,000 versus 20,000 versus 30,000? How do you calculate a margin? How do you business plan for this to then become a company that serves clients across the globe? Right. Uh, I mean, it wasn't easy. I mean, obviously, you know, we were, uh, at that time we were like 20. So, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, we, we were just kind of uh, playing it, you know, what 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 are we going to do? So it's it's one of those things where I say it's like jumping in the water and then trying to swim. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, we were just little kids and, you know, we were just like, what, what how do we do it? So we just uh, kind of got onto it and started doing it. And, uh, you know, basically we had a, our cost and then we were obviously, you know, we had a margin above that. And then, um, you know, we, we just, you know, obviously we went to a bank they would nobody would give us a loan you know nobody would give us any money to start up and um then you know we just uh, basically uh, ended up borrowing some money from our parents and uh, starting the company and working out of our apartments and um you know just kind of uh, grinding it out i mean it was not easy but uh, we you know we just kept working was inventory a big issue? Because usually with physical product businesses, there's this challenge of, okay, you buy a bunch of drives and you sell them and you're liquid, but then you want to go buy the next set. And if you buy them in bulk, you get better prices, which is going to help your margins. But then you're kind of in this perpetual cycle of being cash constrained. Right. So we, you know, you obviously have cash flow issues. You have cash, 
you know, you have no, you have no, no cash issues. Um, you know, you have to buy the product. You have to keep the inventory. Um, you, and then, you know, you have orders coming in and they, everybody wants to, for you to ship everything tomorrow. So you have these kind of issues where you have to have stock, but then, you know, you're not sure if you're going to sell it. So, yeah, you always have these kind of issues and you're trying to figure out how fast are you going to sell it versus, you know, when you're going to bring new uh, stuff in. And also, as you know, technology changes like every week, every month, you know. So you, you basically you may end up sitting on a dead stock because the stuff can be obsolete. So you have to have current product. Like right now, you know, things are changing. Like if you stock four terabyte drives, but everybody wants 20 terabyte drives, then you, you got dead stock. So you have to really manage it smart. So what we, what we do, we actually basically stock the chassis and we buy the drives uh, based on the customer configuration. So when we get the order, we actually get the drives uh, as soon as we get the order. And you're doing the assembling based We do the assembly right that. here in Pittsburgh, yes. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, so tell me a little bit about selling into these different types of organizations because you've referenced, you know, a lot of a lot of folks you, you might be selling into are not the kind of like fast-paced startup or even, I mean, there's conventional corporations, but we're talking about NASA, we're talking about the, uh, you know, police departments for the United UK, Kingdom yep. and these other types of agencies that have security clearances and they have these other kind of concerns what has been negotiating through that and like the contract negotiations been like? Yeah, so we've uh, we actually been uh, fortunate. We uh, have a, what's called GSA contract and we've had it for 15 years. It's a, uh, basically a government contract that allows us to sell to the government, to the federal government, to uh, local government. And we've sold uh, on that contract to some very big departments in the government. So we had Department of State. It was like all 800 uh, embassies and consulates had a jet stores. Wow. So it's our, one of our biggest contracts we've had. Yeah. Uh, we also sell uh, to uh, Navy for Advanced Weapons Lab in uh, California. We sell to DOD. You know, basically we sell to anybody who has a vast amount of data. So you know, we usually never sell, you know, anything probably below 50 terabytes. So it's kind of our average is above, you know, 50 to 100 terabytes. This is kind of right now is going. Right, and now we're going petabytes. We're doing multiple petabytes. And is the conversation now so like you know this is a pretty sizable company? Yeah, you're still relatively low on employees, and and you've kind of alluded to here some of these characters like their role is to see the order come in and then go and assemble the device that then gets sold out. It sounds like you're almost able to operate this at a relatively light from like a sales and marketing standpoint because once you're the solutions provider to a few UK police departments, right. when the next one's ha like, hey, how'd you, how'd you get that device? Right. It's a lot of word of mouth that then contributes to it. Is that accurate? Yes. Uh, so we, uh, the, 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 the case with UK, we actually have a partner that we've been working with uh, for over 10 years and they were able to get the UK police departments for us and sell the jet stores to them. Gotcha. So we also work with a lot of uh, like dealers where, or they call them, we call them value added resellers. Vars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and they, you know, we have them here in the States and we have uh, one good partner in UK and they're the ones, you know, we actually went there multiple times to trade shows and visit them. Uh, and then we ended up having like 60% of, uh, UK police forces actually uh, are using uh, and running jet stores. And actually this week we're shipping uh, three units to a uh, cyber crime unit, which is also part of UK police, Royal Police. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you think about these value-added resellers or just partners in general, 
how do you make that evaluation? Because at the end of the day, like JetStore is your brand. It's your, it's this thing that you have to protect. And you know that no one else is going to work as hard to protect it as you are. So when you're looking at this through the lens of who do we partner with, of course, every business person wants to expand, grow, like revenues going up is a good thing, right? But how do you, like, 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 are you a, you know, come whoever may and see who can like actually deliver results for us. Like, do you have a, a process by which you filter out some characters that might want to be those resellers? Cause I'm sure you get solicitations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get calls, I mean, emails all the time from partners. They want to, you know, they want to sell or represent the brand, but obviously we're looking for somebody who is going to be uh, loyal and, uh, you know, obviously hopefully produce some volume. Because, you know, some people just sell, maybe sell on the uh, once a year. We've been fortunate enough to, the guys in the UK, you know, have been selling for us, like I said, 15 years. We have also some partners that we've been, wor- you know, we've been working here in the States for over 10 years. We have a partner in California. We have guys in Minneapolis. And, uh, we have uh, people in New York. So we have a lot of partners that are selling it for us for over the years. But, um, you know, we try to evaluate them. We try to figure out if they have, you know, you obviously have to have some understanding of technology. And some understanding of storage, some understanding of the networking, and um, you know all these different uh, things that are coming out, you know, in the pipeline. So it's it's definitely a process, and um, you know we we definitely work with you know multiple partners to see who is going to represent our brand the best. And who makes the like? What's the character that's making the buying decision in these different departments? Like, do they have a specific like head of IT who's basically responsible for those calls? Yes. Yeah, so we deal with uh, mostly uh, sysadmins. Uh, storage architects, uh, CIOs, CTOs, IT managers. Um, we kind of go what I call uh, bottom up. So we usually deal with the, the, the person that actually manages storage, that actually understands what we do, uh, and then we're able to sh- you know, show them the value of the product, of the company, because uh, you know, we, we're not a big company and we're able to offer some really good value to them versus our competition, which is like has a big overhead. And and the basic idea is that that person who's in charge of storage becomes like the champion within that org to say like, okay, this is the solution because of cost basis or technological basis or what have you. Right. Customers basically have told us, and you know, obviously that's been our motto kind of that we have one of the best, what I call price performance ratio on the market. So we're able to offer uh, for the performance and the, the capacity that you get, you know, you're probably going to pay the, the least amount of uh, dollars, you know, for our solution. That's what we've been kind of a leader. You know, we have affordable, re- you know, reliable, easy to manage solution. That's what kind of our, you know, our slogan has been. And a lot of a lot of the conversations on this show, something I think all the time about is brand and is reputation of these products. And so, as I was coming into this conversation, the thing that I was super curious about was, you know, I I really don't spend a lot of time thinking about the memory that's like on this laptop versus on my phone versus on whatever, because to some degree for most consumer experiences, it feels very commoditized. It feels very like behind the curtain amongst the other kind of features of of a device. So, I mean, it sounds like you are capable of competing on that price basis, but is it kind of like a persistent pressure over the last 25 years that there's kind of always this downward pressure on the margins associated with this memory or how does that? Very good point. Uh, the storage has been uh, commoditized for past 10, 15 years. It's really been a big problem because, uh, um, you know, some of it because of the cloud, some of it because of the, just the 
just basically is everybody's buying it like like this the smaller units like this you can literally buy them at uh best buy yeah like so we don't really you know kind of we're not really targeting um you know those kind of small consumer you know we pretty much b2b but on the on the flash side on a bigger side you know it, a lot of it's been commoditized so we have a lot of our competitors that really sell these online like with pricing like we don't put out the pricing online but a lot of our competitors they put price online where you can literally just buy it like you buy it from off of Amazon or any other you know yeah. retailer so it's really becoming where you have to just like what you alluded to is the brand so you have to basically when people associate with storage you want them associated with Jetstore or you know whatever brand they used to so that's really what's been uh, kind of a struggle and this is challenging for uh, many many of our uh, competitors even is the commoditization of storage commoditization of everything uh, but what we able to provide as a company is the support the uh, service uh, and uh, the you know the basically the price performance ratio that's untouchable so that's kind of been uh, that's why we've been, we've been successful and I mean overall like I said you know we've had uh, 4,000 customers in these 25 years yeah and um, some big some major names and and that's the thing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably sounding to the audience like I keep hitting the same bell, but I always talk about, you know, people buy for a multitude of different reasons. Some right. people just buy on a cost basis standpoint. Some people purely buy on like a quality standpoint. What is the best? But there's also this middle ground that I think is such an opportunity for so many, which is on ease, on customer service, on experience, where it's not necessarily like, I'm not selling you a Ferrari. I'm not mm. selling you the absolute top end, like everything's tricked out. Right. But you're also not just paying for the bare bones. Like you, you're going to have to like, you know, pull out some duct tape and make it work for yourself right. because it's just sitting there on its lonesome. And it sounds like that's part of the approach that you've taken. Correct. So we basically, we don't have the the, you know, the overhead that uh, our competitors have, but we do have, like we created a brand name that people associate us with quality. So we, we have customers that have been coming back to us for 10, 15 years. We have customers that, uh, you know, when they move to another job, they go to another job. We, we had customers that had like three or four jobs and they still keep buying jet stores. Yeah. So I get an email from, you know, the same guy at five different companies because he moved on and he he's like, I've loved you guys and, you know, I keep buying it. Yeah. So we like the best kept secret. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't have the the overhead, the and then we don't have the cap capacities that our competitors have, where they have like thousands of salespeople calling around and you know offering their solutions. Where we get a lot of uh, referrals, we get a lot of uh, repeat business from customers. So makes sense, Gene. This has been awesome. Before we wrap up and ask our standard last two questions, is there anything else you were just hoping to share with people that I didn't give you a chance to? Well, uh, I think uh, pretty much we've covered most of it. Thanks for uh, having me on your uh, show. Of course. And, uh, you, know, uh, I, you know, I wish you all the best as well because I think you guys are a fairly new company. And I think, uh, you know, I, I have a face that you guys are going to be here you know, for many years to come. So That's, I, I really wish you all the best. That is the plan. If I can, uh, <laughs> if we can manage to keep our, our company going for 25 years like you, I'll consider really? that a heck of a success. Right, so, I'll be watching you. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and maybe, and, you know, 25 years from now, you're, you'll still be out. You're still young, right? Man, right? I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll call you. I'm like, yeah, here you are. Right on. So for folks that want to follow along, uh, you're pretty prolific on LinkedIn, so I want to make sure that people connect with you there. But what other digital coordinates should people go to to learn more about you, to learn more about your company, all that good stuff? stuff. 
Yeah, definitely our website, uh, jetstore.com, is that where they can find everything. And then the email is sales at acnc.com. They can uh, basically uh, call us as well. We have an 800 number, but uh, I think the best way right now is probably uh, via email and the website. And, uh, you know, obviously we have all social media that, um, you know, LinkedIn, they can message me. I have actually 30,000 people that follow me. So I maxed out. So You were early on the LinkedIn I game. was early on the LinkedIn. So, so let me tell you, this That's is... A big thing for me yeah i got a lot of real customers out of it so so we have two so we we almost happened upon it we started a little over two years ago i guess two and a half years ago now and we started dropping some things on linkedin and we actually got a fortune 500 company as a client based off of a piece of linkedin content like two years ago 100 and so our antenna goes i was like well i'll take more of that if, it, if it's coming right. and so we started hitting linkedin super hard and it's been massively impactful for us in our business. And it sounds like it's been similar for you as it's well. It's been huge. I've been doing like LinkedIn for past five years. I've created network of, like I said, over 30, like 30,000 people. And I have uh, um, over a million dollar customer on uh, in Arizona with seven data centers right now that's uh, basically paying us monthly for our hardware. So we in the seven data, center with, seven data centers with him. Wow. And I've got it on LinkedIn. So it's possible. And I've had probably, over, I've, overall, I've got probably 50 customers on LinkedIn. Holy moly. Um, so just to make sure that's clear for everyone, acnc.com, sales at acnc.com. Yeah. ACNC is the company. Yes. And Jetstore is, is brand. The, the brand for the for the products. Yes. Cool. Advanced Computer Network Corporation is our company. Jetstore is the brand. acnc.com is the website and also jetstore.com as well. So we it goes all to the same site. So And we have all the product information. We have all the support information. We have uh, uh, white papers, the firmwares, the manuals, how to use it, the support section. You know, you can upload all your tickets and everything is there too. So uh, everything is there. Right on. All that, like every single episode of the podcast is linked goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast for every episode of the show or in the podcast app. You're probably listening to this right now. Before we let Gene go though, I'm going to give you the mic one more time to issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience. Okay, so I came here, you know, in 1991, you know, I had no language. I was 18, had no friends, no network, no money. And uh, basically, here I am almost 30 years later next year, um, you know, uh, I think uh, fairly successful. Um, So I'm going to issue a challenge to young people to create a goal every week and try to achieve it or even exceed the goal and do something for meaningful for yourself, for your family, for the world, for whatever cause you choose to do. So that's my that's my challenge. Beautiful young people. I need to take that challenge, Gene. You um, included. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. It's booked. Um, before I let you go, I actually I, one more thing I want to ask you about. It's 2020. It's a pandemic. There has been uh, you know staggering rates of unemployment. There has been economic carnage. You've been through a few rodeos, right? Like yes. you founded this in the nineties. There's the dot-com bubble. There's dot 2008. Bubble. This is not your yeah. first time. Nope. So can you talk, can you speak basically on persistence in the face of this hardship? Cause I'm sure there's been fluctuations with your business customers lost in one. Yes. So yes, we started in 94. Um, you know, there's uh, there was definitely uh, maybe two or three recessions, 2008, 9-11 and now this pandemic when it hit you know obviously this was this is very different than what we've seen before we've never seen this one but i mean everybody was in shock 
but I think now, you know, people are getting out of it and people are realizing that, you know, this is going to, we're going to recover. We're going to push, you know, push forward. And uh, that's what I tell people that, you know, we came here with nothing and we made something out of ourselves. So people have to believe that things are going to get better, but they have to work at it. Nothing is going to just come from the sky. You have to work at it. You have to grind. You have It's going to be struggle, but you have to put a work into it. But if you put a work into it, you're going to make it. Beautiful. That's my that's my thing. I love it. I love the energy <laughs> and I appreciate it. And um, I hope that everyone out in the audience uh, taps into it. Gene, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks very much, Aaron. Thank you. We just went deep with Gene Lazarevich. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the end of my interview with Gene. I hope you found it valuable and you learned a little bit about the world of private clouds and computer hardware sales. I love Gene's passion. I hope that you found it valuable and I hope that you'll hit subscribe. Check out all of our interesting past interviews, including technology entrepreneur and investor Andy Ratcliffe talking about Wealthfront, Jason Wolf talking about his string of successive gift card technology companies, and Chetan Marichli, the founder of Locomation, talking about self-driving semi-trucks. We've got all that and much more here on Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.